today in our passage of scripture in Numbers chapter 13, verse number 26. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and, uh, and turn there. So Numbers chapter 13, verse 26. Numbers is not a book that we spend a whole lot of time in. Um, for me, it's because I'm mathematically challenged, and so the title just scares me in itself. But there's some great stories in the book of Numbers. And so we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture that's going to be talking about uh, the whole idea of breaking bad. And what we saw last week is that there was a time in David's life when David, who was called a man after God's own heart, uh, a man who knew Scripture, when he had uh, a, a time in his life when he was known for being a liar, an adulterer, and a murderer. And David came to a place where he said, how in the world did I end up in this place? And the Scripture we're going to be looking at today is we're going to see that the Hebrew people had come to the edge of the promised land. And God had promised them this land for years and years. And they get there, but they made a decision that caused all their dreams to come unraveled. And years later, they're going to be asking the question, how did we end up here? How did we break bad in this life? And so uh, today we're going to be looking at dreams that are destroyed. Now, I don't know what some of your dreams were when you were growing up, but my guess is that many of you, many of you can name some things whenever you were younger that you dreamed of becoming. And then, and then as time goes by, those dreams that you had, they just, uh, they just sort of slip by the wayside, don't they? Now, I, I don't know how many of y'all had a dream of what you're going to be when you grew up and, and it actually occurred, to, for, occurred for you, but my guess is that that would be a very small percentage uh, my dream was always to be a clown, and it's happened, and so that's awesome, and so I have a dream fulfilled, but, but dreams are, uh, for most of us, dreams are things that just sort of fall by the wayside. One of my favorite uh, animated movies, and I don't think it's going to shock you to know that I like cartoons, uh, was Toy Story, and I love Toy Story. The two main characters in it, of course, are Woody, you know, the stuffed cowboy, and then uh, Buzz Lightyear, who is the intergalactic hero. And the guy I really identified with the most, or I enjoyed the most in the movie, was Buzz Lightyear. And I like him so much because, you know, he's a guy that's, he's just excited. He feels like that his life makes a difference. He feels like he's a hero. And then you've got, you know, we all know, we all know those guys that are like Woody, who's like trying to tell him, hey, listen, you're not who you think you are. You're a battery-operated toy. That laser you think you're shooting, it's just like a flashlight. And as you watch the movie... Buzz begins to realize that he's not who he thinks he is. You know, all these dreams he has about being a hero, they sort of come crashing down. And it's actually kind of a, I mean, for a cartoon, it's kind of sad. Now, I didn't cry uh, at that point in the movie because I understand that, that cartoons are not real people. Did y'all know that? And so the movie's not real, and so it didn't really bother me a whole bunch. But I think a lot of us identify with Buzz Lightyear because we know what it's like to go through life, to have dreams, to think big things, only to see those dreams end up being unfulfilled. And that's what we're going to see today in our text. We're going to see a typical journey of a group of people that had big dreams, that had God-sized dreams, and yet those dreams in their lives ended up being unfulfilled. And my fear is that for a lot of us, 
that we take the same journey that these people in our text took as well, that we, we have God-sized dreams, but somewhere along the way, you know, we, we sort of make decisions and we begin to break bad from where God wants us to be. And it's my hope that we're going to avoid that. And so we'll look in Numbers 13, verse 26, and if you're already there, I'll give you a little background information about what's happening. Uh, what's happening is the Hebrew people have just come out of Egyptian captivity. They've been there for 400 years. Moses leads them out of Egyptian captivity. I mean, some absolutely incredible things happened. And God had promised that he was going to bring them to a land that would be their own. And so they get right to the edge of the promised land. And as they get to the edge of the promised land, they send out some spies. And for some of you who are familiar with the story, you remember the spies go through the land. They're, they're checking it out, trying to see what it's like. And it's at this point that their dreams began to unravel because they didn't trust in the promises of God. And so their dreams for a time ended up on the trash heap of life. Now it's real interesting, as you look in the Bible, one thing you discover is that our God is a generous God. Uh, John 10.10, let me tell you how generous God is with us. John 10.10, that's what Jesus says to all of us. He said, I have come that you might have life. And have it more abundantly. In, in Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Now those are some heavy-duty promises that come from God. I mean, these are awesome things. Things that we can look forward to. And yet, how many people have an abundant life? And my, my guess is, my calculation is, not many of us. And the reason why is because we, we give up on the dreams that God provides for his people. And so we live life very disappointed. Uh, we live life with unfulfilled dreams. And so today in our scripture, we're going to see a typical journey that people go through that lead to, to sort of broken dreams in their lives. Now, now what, kind of, what kind of things do we typically go through on this journey? Well, the first thing is it all begins with we doubt the dream. We begin to doubt the dream of the promises that God gives people. If you look back in verse 26, this is how it begins. And the spies, this was who it's talking about here. It says the spies or the men went back to Moses, Aaron, and the entire Israelite community in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back a report for them and the whole community, and they showed them the fruit of the land, and they reported to Moses. We went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey, and here's some of its fruit. Now, they had gone into the promised land to investigate it, and God had shared this dream with the people for years that he was going to provide them with the land that was going to be their own. Uh, right here, we are in the book of Numbers. God had given a promise to his people all the way back in the book of Genesis. He said, there's going to be a day when I'm going to provide for you and you're going to have your own, your own land, your own people. He told this to a guy named Abraham, the very first, really, of the Hebrew people. In Genesis 12, is what God said to him. He said, go out from your land, your relatives and your father's house, to the land I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. And God said, and I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. And you'll be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. This is such a... Y'all try to put yourselves in Abraham's shoes. Can you imagine if God said that to you? I mean, if you heard, first of all, hearing God's voice, wow. And then if, if, God, if God came to me and said, Eric, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And I'd be like, yes. I mean, that is awesome. I'm going to be my own nation. And then God says, I'm going to bless the world through you and your family. And I'm thinking, I thought you already had. No, I'm kidding. I'll be like, that is going to be even more incredible. I mean, this is a really cool promise. And so over and over again, though, God has to remind the people that he's going to make them a blessing to the world. He has to remind them time and time again. And so God's given this promise. This is a cool promise. And the people come out of Egyptian captivity after 400 years, and they come to the edge of the land God's promised them. So I'm trying to build this up for you to see what they have to be going through. And so they get right to the edge. And Moses has been leading the people. And here's what Moses says as they come to the edge of the promised land. In Deuteronomy 121, here's Moses. He says, see the Lord your God has set the land before you. He said, go up and take possession of it as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has told you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. When I, here's how, what I picture in this speech. This is Braveheart. This is Mel Gibson. His face is painted blue. And he's walking before the Hebrew people. He says, God's given us this land. Let's go take it. And he starts, I can just see Moses charging across the river, heading into the promised land. And he looks behind him, and nobody's coming with him. Can you imagine how much of a dud Braveheart would have been if he screams and he runs out and nobody follows him? This is what's going on in our text. The very next verse after, after Moses says, let's take the land. You know what the people did? Verse 22 of Deuteronomy 1. Here's what they said. Moses is running ahead. They said, let's send some men ahead of us so that they may explore the land force and bring us back a report about the route we should go up and the cities we will come to. This is so anticlimactic. What's going on here? Now some of you, I know some of you are planners and you might say this makes sense. Before we go into the land, we need some people to find out what it looks like over there. We need them to set up a, a you know, get a map quest so that we can figure out what route that we're going to travel. Any of you in here know people like this? I, my wife. Okay, so there's like, we need to do this before we actually go into the land. Now here's my response. Why? You know, why, why did they need to check out the land first? Because God said it was already theirs. It's not like the people weren't prepared for this moment. God had been preparing them for years for this moment. I mean, just even coming out of Egyptian captivity, God, God had to show himself to the people to say, I am God and I'm going to prove myself to you. Think, think of some of the things God did just weeks before this to bring them out of Egyptian captivity. You remember some of the things he did? You remember the ten plagues? I mean, God sends frogs and gnats and darkness I mean, all these different things. When, whenever they come to the Red Sea, God splits it wide open. How incredible is that? 
And the people walk through the Red Sea. The, the Egyptian army's chasing after them. These people don't stand a chance. God collapses the Red Sea back on them, drowns the entire Egyptian army. The people are hungry. What does God do? He feeds them manna, food from heaven. God is proving himself over and over again. God is letting and, and reassuring his people that he's with them. And at this point, the people should have been like this. Here's the river. Let's go across it. And man, this is going to be fun to see what God does next. And yet, what do the people do? The people said, oh, this looks good. But man, what if God doesn't know what's across that river? And so they told Moses, let's send some people over there to investigate the land, to find out what's over there. Guys, the land didn't need to be investigated. The land needed to be conquered. And Christians, let me tell you something. Our land, where we are now as a nation, where we are as family units, we, we don't need to investigate anymore. We need to conquer in the name of Jesus. We need to live for Jesus in our homes and in our schools. Because if we hesitate, then we're going to be leaving behind God's dreams. And see, where we, a lot of us get in trouble is we, we see what God wants us to do. We see how God calls us to live. You, mean, you read through Scripture. How does God call us to live? He says, follow me. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. What kind of commandments does he have? If you read this book, the commandments, they're not all easy Love your enemies. How many of y'all are good at that? I've seen you drive. Not many of you are very good at it. You know, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Step out in faith and share with other people who Jesus is. He gives us all these different commands. He says, trust me with all that you are. Trust me with your life. Trust me with your finances. Trust me in how you live for others. And we think, man, that's too hard. That's difficult. And, and we begin to think, God, I don't think God knows what he's talking about. And we want the results of God and his blessings, but we want to do it in an easier way. And so we come up with different plans. And God tells us to be pure in our relationships. And we say, well, that, that sounds good, but that's really difficult. And so we try to skirt the commands of God and, and go our own way and, and sort of kind of you know, jerry-rig everything so that it sort of fits our own wants and desires. And we step outside of God's plans and what happens? We end up being a people who wander in the wilderness like the people in our text. And we end up being a people unfulfilled. Because we seek happiness and joy in places where God is not. It reminds me of Psalm 95, verses 7 through 11. It says, For he's our God, and we are the people of his pasture, a sheep under his care. He says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on that day at Massa in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me. And this is the Hebrew people as they wander in the wilderness. He said, They tried me, though they'd seen what I'd done. For 40 years I was disgusted with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray. They do not know my ways. So I swore in my anger, they will not enter my rest. Guys, whenever we decide we're going to follow our own path, God says you will not experience the blessings of God. He says you will not find rest in your life. Because whenever we get on a path outside of God's leadership, it naturally leads to destruction. Now here's what I really believe. I believe... People in general, 
are, are a whole lot smarter than we give them credit for. Now, I know that we generally think of ourselves as being very smart, and I'm talking about whenever we view other people. People, we're, we're smart. I really believe we understand the difference between right and wrong. We understand how we are to live, you know, in general. What is pleasing to God? Because I believe God's placed within each of us a conscience. And so we know how God desires for us to live. And this is true in all areas of life. I mean, take food, for example. I mean, we, we, we know what's good for us to eat, right? I mean, to have, to have a healthy diet, we know that basically it's fruits and vegetables, you know, proteins, and, and of course we're supposed to eat in moderation, all these things, right? I mean, we know that by nature. And yet, we struggle in that area. You know, and we try to help you at Village Church. We come here and we have donuts out for you. And so, you know, you come, you come here. Now, now, we know that, that the best thing for you to do is to eat in moderation, and yet we like to fill our, our cravings instantly. And so we fill ourselves up with a bunch of junk all the time. Now, we know that's not good for us. I mean, it's not good for your body. It makes you sluggish. I always get nervous when y'all eat a bunch of donuts because I see some of you nodding off, and I know that you know, sugar makes you sluggish and all these different things. And so we know what's right, and yet so many of us choose that which is wrong. Well, that, that's what people in the Scripture did. They knew God's path, but they hesitated because they wanted something easier. And what did it lead to? It led to broken dreams. It led to broken dreams because they began to doubt the dream. But the second part of the journey that leads to broken dreams is that they only saw the obstacles. And if, if you are experiencing broken dreams in your life and you don't see God's promises coming to fruition in your life, oftentimes it's because you're only focusing on the obstacles in your life. In verse number 28, this is what the people said. They said, however, however the people living in the land, the promised land, they're strong. The cities are large and fortified, and we also saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites are living in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live by the sea and along the Jordan. Now, the Hebrew people had a great dream. They had a dream that came from God. It was to live in the promised land. God said, I have a place for you. I have a place that, that you are going to live in and be in charge of. And at this point, the people, they're not wandering in the wilderness yet. They've come right up to the edge of the promised land. But as they get there, doubts begin to creep in. And they begin to play the what-if game. What if what God says is not true? Have you, have you ever done that before? Play the what-if game? What if... What if, uh, you know, that, that God promises me heaven? What if that's not true? What if God really doesn't forgive? What if, what if I'm wasting my time following Scripture and maybe this book is not even true? Now, I look at the people in our text and I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for them because God had performed all these incredible things leading up to them getting to the promised land. The miracles are unreal. That's yeah, a reminder to me. We can see a lot of stuff, and yet we still, by nature, want to doubt. Have you, have you ever played the what-if game before? I've, I've played all the time. You know, I'm a worrier by nature. That's not a positive, so I'm not telling you all that uh, that's a great, you know, great thing in my life. I just worry. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I'm not going to go into it, but I had some stuff going on with me. So some weird stuff, and I, it's, I'm just getting older. And you know, your body starts doing weird stuff when you get older. 
You know, your body starts doing weird stuff. You start growing hair in weird places. And I'm like, man, what is going on? And so I called my brother-in-law, who's a doctor. And I said, hey, man, this this what's going on. What does that mean? And he said, uh, he goes, let me tell you something. He goes, I am 99.9% sure it's not that big of a deal. Okay, now, do you think that gave me comfort? You know what I focused on? The 0.1%. He said, I was like, 99.1%, so you mean, the, or 99.9%, so you mean there's something that could be wrong. You know, that's the way I look at everything. And I was in misery. I just simply, the what ifs just took over my mind. And I was not, I was not satisfied until the doctor confirmed everything that my brother-in-law said. And I'm still doubting it at this point. But this is what the Hebrews in our text did. They, they began to wonder, what if what God says and he's promised is not accurate? You know, what, what, if he's, what if God's wrong? And so the spies went in, they come back, and they give a report. And this is when everything begins to unravel. And instead of focusing in on the promise of God, God said it's going to be a land full of milk and honey. I'm going to fight the battle for you. It's going to be your land. The people coming back, the spies, what did they focus on? Ten of the twelve, they didn't focus on the good stuff. They said, hey, guys, you won't believe this. There are big people that live over there. They said the people of Anak live there. Now, that doesn't mean much to us, but the people of Anak were, they were supposedly descended from a, from a race of giants. You know, like Goliath, David and Goliath. These are big people. And they're like, there's big people over there. We're not that big. And then they begin to tell them about the cities. They say these cities are well fortified. And the people begin to take all of this in and they began to lose sight of who their God was. Guys, I'm going to be honest with you. In this life, there are big, scary obstacles. There's a bunch of garbage that, takes, that, that goes on in our world today. We've seen it this week. You see it in Boston. And you sit there and you think, that, like, what in the world is happening here? How does, this, how does this go on? Where is God in a time like this? You know, there's so many obstacles that we have, scary obstacles. But let me share this with you. And I want you to understand this because this is what Scripture says. And I don't want us to be like the Hebrews in our text today. And that is this. God is bigger than any obstacle that this world throws at us. That is a promise from God. When the Hebrews saw the giants, they should have remembered that their God is even bigger than the giants. The Bible tells us this in Romans 8, 38 and 39. In all these things we are more than victorious through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things created will have power to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now I missed a couple there. Because in all of that... That is a big list. God is bigger than life and death. God is bigger than that which is created. God is bigger than the principalities of this world. It's only whenever we take our eyes off of Jesus that our dreams are crushed and we get off a path we shouldn't be on. It reminds me of of Peter uh, one of Jesus' disciples. I, I love the story of Peter and his, the disciples were on the boat in the Sea of Galilee. You remember the storm comes up? The storm's just sloshing them all over the place. And they're, I mean, they're scared to death. 
And it's this massive storm, and, and they begin to look out from the boat, and they're basically calling out for help, and here comes Jesus walking on water. And whenever, whenever Peter sees Jesus, and Peter, I, I love him, because he's so, I mean, he just says what he thinks. And he's like, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. I mean, who's going to say that? Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, it's me, come on. And what's Peter do? He actually gets out of the boat. And he gets out of the boat, and he keeps his eyes on Jesus, and he's walking on water. The waves are lapping up against him, but he's walking on water. And as long as his eyes are on Jesus, he walks above the storm. But then he begins to notice the waves and what happens. When he focuses on the waves, he drops like a rock. And that's what happened to the Hebrew people. When their eyes were on Jesus, they walked above the storms. But when they began to focus on the obstacles, the obstacles overwhelmed them and they began to sink. Guys, whenever our focus in this world becomes the obstacles of this life and we take our eyes off of Jesus I guarantee you your dreams are not going to be fulfilled you're not going to see the power of God in your life because you've taken your eyes off of Jesus but if you keep your eyes on Jesus you don't have to worry about the obstacles because God's going to take care of those obstacles and he's going to help you to walk above the storms so as I look in our text today, I see the first part of the journey that leads to broken dreams as we, we doubt the dream, and then we only see obstacles. And then the final thing is that we become paralyzed by fear. As we begin this whole process, it ends up in that we become paralyzed by fear. In verse 31, it says, But the men who'd gone up with him responded, We can't go up against the people because they're stronger than we are. And so they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land they'd scouted, the land we pass through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it are men of great size. When we saw the Nephilim there, the offspring of Anak were descended from the Nephilim. And to ourselves, we seem like grasshoppers. And we must have seemed the same to them. Now here it is. The dream is, I mean, it, it literally is. It's right before the Hebrew people. The land was theirs for the taking. But when the spies came back with reports of big people, it scared the people. The rest of the Hebrews, they heard all these negative reports, and they're like, oh my gosh. We can't go there. You know, we can't, we can't fulfill the dream that God has for us. God, God doesn't know who he's working with. So there's giants in that land. And, and then, how, you remember what they, what did they call themselves? So how did they view themselves in that text? Grasshoppers. That's not, like, really good. You know, it's not like, you know, if they would have said eagles... Or bears, that's impressive, they were grasshoppers. They're saying, in other words, they're saying, you know what, we are inconsequential. We are dreaming dreams that are way too, we're just grasshoppers. Let's sort of bring it down a little bit. Let me tell you something, if we're going to see God do great things, let's don't back off God's dreams. I mean, if we want to be grasshoppers, you know, we can sort of back off and just sort of settle for being mediocre. But wouldn't it be kind of cool is if a group of believers, we said, you know what? Our God is a big God. And God can use people like us to do great things. See, where we get into trouble is when we forget who we are and whose we are. The Hebrews forgot that God was with them. Romans 8.31 says, if, if God be for us, then who can be against us? They forgot who they were. 
Who were they? They were the children of God. Who are you? You know who you are? You're the children of God. And when you forget about that, you settle for less. There's a story of an of a African man, and he was very superstitious. He was walking home one day, and a black cat ran out in front of him, and it just absolutely freaked him out. And so he began to think, that's a bad sign. It's a bad omen. And so he called, he called his brother up, and he said, that black cat ran out in front of me. I know that's a bad sign. He said, what do you think it means? And he said, what are you talking about? He goes, it's got to be bad luck. He said, what, what do you think it means? And his brother said, well, it depends. He said, well, it depends on what? He said, well, it depends on if you're a rat or not. And so guys, the, the lesson of the story is don't forget who you are. Who are you? We are God's people. And if we are God's people, then God has dreams for us. And the greatest dream that we can go after is the dream of God and who he's created us to be. Now, does that mean if we go after the leadership of God that it's going to be easy? And God's very upfront here. Uh, throughout scripture, you'll see that God doesn't say, hey, life's real easy. He doesn't say that. In, in Luke 9, 23, Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, is it worth it? Here's how Jesus followed that up. He said, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will save it. What is a man benefited if he gains the whole world, yet loses or forfeits his soul? Guys, let's pursue the dream. Let's pursue God-sized dreams. As a church, let's believe that God can use people like you and me to give testimony to the God of the universe. That God can use people like you and me to share with our friends at work, our neighbors, the people at school, what Jesus has done in our lives. And that when they hear that story, that God can transform their lives. Let's believe big dreams. Let's believe that God has more for us than where we are right now. Because I don't want us to be a people like the Hebrew people who doubted God. And because of it, they wandered in the wilderness without the blessings of God for 40 years. Let's believe God. And let's see what happens. And no sky contains